Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to Star Trek Megan's Top 20. <laughs> <laughs> this week on, uh, we're going to have to, today we are talking about an episode of DS9 that's kind of heavy. Yeah. There's a lot of heavy episodes of DS9, uh, but Megan decided to go for a heavy one today, yeah. uh, which is fine. Which There's... means it's not one of those ones that you might watch a lot of, but No, it's really good. I this swear. is only my third time ever seeing it. Uh, the first time I watched it was when I first watched through Star Trek DS9, which was when they were, DVDs were coming out. I mentioned this when we first did our first DS9 episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was good, but I wasn't as into DS9 then. Uh, the second time through DS9, both Megan and I had actually lost our fathers. Yeah. And this episode... Rather re- recently. Rather, well, definitely recently in Megan's case. Yeah. Mine died a year earlier. And, uh, well, let's just say it had a much bigger impact. Still good even without that yeah. emotional tax, but when you've actually experienced it, it's harder. It's harder. And then this time, where we also were crying, although it was a little easier to get through it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's. I should clarify, it is cathartic pain, yeah. which is really hard to do. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The episode in the question is The Visitor. Yeah. Uh, season four, episode two or three, depending on if you count the, war, the Way of the Warrior as a two-parter, two separate episodes, or one episode. I count it as one, but some sites count it, as two. It, it, it depends on what you read it as. Yeah, but it's it's The Visitor, season four, episode two or three, depending on how you, you look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one to get through. Yeah. Uh, Not because it's a bad episode, no, but it's, quite the opposite. No, it is amazingly good. There, there are only about four or five times in my entire life where they have gotten, where, where television or movies or video games mm-hmm. have presented cathartic pain correctly. Cathartic pain, for anyone not aware of what I'm talking about, is when something makes you feel sad, but it feels like a release yeah. kind of sad. It's like when you're holding in your emotions and it just lets them out and you feel better afterwards. Never, never have I seen a television show with a sci-fi premise. I, I mean, I to be fair, I haven't seen a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm still working through a lot of stuff. But it was the, it's like one of the first times after... <laughs> I lost my father that I found something that actually showed grief very accurately. Yeah, this is actually the second episode in Star Trek where they really deal with grief. Yeah. Uh, For anyone wondering, there's a reason for that. It's because, for some reason, Gene Roddenberry believed that at this point in the human future we wouldn't really have mourning anymore. Yeah, apparently we would move on from grief. We we actually talked about that in the the episode for the the original series we reviewed, where the it's the first Romulan episode, and the only guy that dies is the guy that was about to get married, and his wife, or wife to be, is only sad for what seems like a few seconds. Now in in television viewing, I took it as she's going to go cry later, but she understands what happened today was necessary. has her duty and he had his and, and they understood what the chances of the one of them passing yeah. away was the and, problem is that they and she under they, it's the way the episode of telling the episode telling us that sometimes sacrifices are necessary for the greater good which is something that star trek does preach a lot there's a reason why everybody remembers the line the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one yeah um and in this case it was a sacrifice that both of them were willing to make but she's still i still read it as she's going to go off and cry just not in front of everybody yeah uh, in reality, Gene Roddenberry was like, no, she would never cry. <laughs> Which... I'm like, 
I don't believe that. No. Uh, the next episode that does it is the TNG episode where the kid from RoboCop 2, the one that guns all those people down, uh, <laughs> he loses his, uh, his mother randomly on a, a mission. Uh, while Worf is in command, and it's about, and then the alien, an alien energy species that was living down there creates what is essentially a hologram of his mother, yeah, to look after him, yeah, because they feel bad that she died, because she died as a, as like the last victim, like she accidentally tripped a, a booby trap that was left by this war that decimated the planet, yeah, and it's it was meant an to all be, an accident, yeah, it was an accident, and the the energy beings feel really bad about it, and it was meant to be a discussion on the facing the realism of the loss of someone Reality, you love. Yeah. Acceptance. Of well, not even that much. Yeah. Just like, from a kid's perspective, the denial yeah. suddenly being literal. Like, I can literally pretend my mother is still alive because she's right there, yeah. even though that's not my mom. And in the episode, it's about helping the kid get past the first stage of denial to where he can start accepting more and more of the realities of life now. It's not a bad episode. No, it still had us crying because it was, we watched that right after, I think, we, our father's passed away. Um, Yeah. But it doesn't hold a candle to this one. Yeah, but looking back on it, it really is a lesser version of this, it's, of it's, this episode. It's hindered high by the fact that we never meet that kid before or since. And we and never we, met the mother. Before she died. And we only got to meet the hologram version of her. Yeah. Like, they act like she's someone we're supposed to know, but, but she's we not. don't. And this, it's and also then, hindered by the fact that they had killed off Tasha Yar unceremoniously like a year or two earlier. And, you're and like, yet they have this episode dedicated to this random person we've never met. Yeah, they, Tasha Yar gets like a, a, what, two minute memorial, which is really good, but it's not very long at the end of an episode. Yeah. And uh, in this episode, we get like a, for a character we never met gets a whole episode devoted like, to her and her kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it, it feels, it's kind of like the fake grief thing that they had in, like, Voyager with the Doctor and his fake It feels family. like a leftover episode from C- from the original series. Yeah. It really does. It's not a bad one. It's just not yeah, a great it's one. it's not a bad episode. Let me get it right there. But this it one. It would never end up on your top 20. No. Now, this one did because. Everybody in it is someone we knew from the show. We are already, the, season three <sighs> is when. Season 2 had a lot of good episodes in DS9. Season 3 is when it started to pick up. And Season 4 is when we're reintroduced to Worf in this season. This is basically peak DS9 Yeah, from from now on. From Worf till probably somewhere in Season 7. Season season 6 or 7. 6 or 7. Like, basically almost to the end. Yeah. I mean, there's a few stinkers in season seven, but... Yeah, but overall, I, I like it. But overall, it's really good. But this is right when the show is starting to pick up. We're already close to both Jake and Benjamin Sisko. Yeah, they've already... As we established in our uh, The Emissary episode, yeah. one of the things we really loved is just how good... Uh, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Who plays Benjamin? Oh... Oh my god, I'm tired. By the way, if you're hearing any cracking sounds in the background, I mentioned this on our other podcast, but if you're hearing it in this one, it's because uh, our dog is chewing his bone to keep him quiet. We apologize. Also, we're still recording in that room while we have access to it that I mentioned last episode. Yeah. So the audio might be a little weird. I think it sounded more focused when I was listening to it, um, editing the last podcast, but it also might sound more muffled to some people. I'm not sure. But we're only going to be here for a couple days, so you might as well make use of it while you have it. Avery Brooks. Yeah, Avery Brooks. And And then uh, uh, Syrah Lofton? uh, 
Carrick or C I R R O C. However you. I don't I've, want to mess up his name. But no, we'll just call him Mr. Lofton. Ironically, <laughs> ironically, as an adult, he looks more like <laughs> he looks more like Avery Brooks than he does to- Tony, <laughs> Tony Todd, Todd who uh, plays an adult. Yeah, we'll get to the specifics in a minute. But one of the things about the show up to this point that was great was the relationship that um, Avery bad. Brooks and Mr. Lofton had. They had great chemistry, and they really sold the father-son relationship. Yeah. And uh, it, it really shines in this episode. And this episode is about grief. It's not necessarily about denial. It's about grief in all of its forms. Yeah. How grief is a... They picked the perfect metaphor physically for it of any almost grief, any episode because grief is one of those things that can just pop out of nowhere and yeah. ruin your day. Just when you think you're accept, you've moved on, and there's acceptance, and then it sometimes it just re reemerges. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people during COVID are having to come to terms with something like this, and yeah. I'm not trying to knock them. We've been there with our fathers. It's not anything to be laughed at. This episode is good at explaining it to terms to people who don't have it. Yeah, it yeah, uses a sci-fi premise to show something that's actually very real in people. Yeah, the idea that you can just go along your day happy as a clam and then suddenly you just suddenly remember the person you lost. You see something and you're just like, oh. It just reminds you and it, it completely shuts you down. You are spending the rest of your day fighting that sadness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fighting it right now. Oh my god. But it's, hey, you picked it. Hey, it's, that's, <laughs> that's why it took me so long to like to get, get around, around to one? it. You're like, you ready for your next Star Trek one? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, this will be episode nine, for yeah. the record. Yeah. Uh, so we're almost halfway through the series. Yeah. Um, okay. So the premise of the story is that it opens up in what we find out is the future of the future. Yeah. It's set in... Uh, um, I don't remember the year, yeah. but it's set when Jake is now an old man yeah. and a, a woman, a young woman named Melanie, who is played by Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick's daughter, shows up yeah. and she wants to be a writer. And she was her favorite writer of all time was Jake Sisko, yeah. which is who Tony Todd is playing in old all age. Had those favorite authors who's only wrote like two books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she comments that she was introduced to Ansalong, which was his first book. Uh, when he, she was a few years ago, yeah. I guess. I'm, and I'm she, not long ago. And she read it through twice in one night because it was so beautiful to her. And then she tracked down everything she could find about him. It was just a, a book of collected stories. It, he wrote two novels and just a couple of autobiographies. Not even autobiographies, no, just biography. I don't even know if he did biographies. Did no, he that? didn't personally do she one. She read a biography about him. She read a biography. I didn't mean to say auto. I meant to I say meant, just biography. Well, I meant he, I'm talking about specifically Tony Tony Todd's character, Jake Sisko, only wrote Anselm and then a collected yeah, stories novel. he only wrote, I'm and then she, she read. Okay, well, she read through uh, his collected works one day at a time. Yeah. Uh, and then took a whole day, she'd read it, and then take a whole day to absorb the short story, and then move on, and she just loved it so much, she wished she had never read them, so she could read them again for the first time. Yeah. And this is, okay, I should mention that when the story opens, it opens on Tony Todd's face in old age makeup, which is not bad old age makeup, I can still tell it's old age makeup, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen better, worse. and I've seen worse. Uh, but he's wearing old age makeup, and he's injecting something into his neck. And we're led to believe, given his age, that it's probably some kind of medication. We yeah. find out later it's not. 
Uh, and then and this is the first real indication of that is this conversation where he goes little hints here. And yeah, little hints here and there. The first one being in this conversation when he says, um, "There's a first time for everything, isn't there? There's also a last time for everything. The last time when you hear rain on the window. The last time you can enjoy a good cup of tea." Uh, by the way, this movie, this episode actually opens like a bad story would. It was a yeah. dark and stormy night, and there was a knock at the door. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's intentional. I think yeah. it was intentionally trying to say, because the whole story is about telling stories. Yeah. Is one of the other subplots of this. Yeah. Subtextual messaging. And the idea that it starts off in what is a cliched, bad storytelling angle, and then takes a complete left turn on it, yeah. is meant to surprise you. Yeah. Which it does. Uh, so one thing I also want to comment is that uh, it's another little nice nod to the grief aspect of this is that Jake, even as an old man, still has his dad's baseball. Mm -hmm. One of the running themes of the... Okay, he gets it in a really dumb way. There's an episode in season one where a bunch of figments of people's imaginations become real. Yeah. And one of them is a holographic character named Buck Bokai. We found out it's actually a bunch of aliens impersonating them. It's not really a big deal. It's, it's not a good episode. But the end of that episode is Buck Bokai throws a real baseball to, to Cisco and he holds on to it. Yeah. And from then on, that baseball represents Benjamin Cisco throughout the show. In fact, when they lose DS9 in season five, I think it is, yeah. he specifically leaves that baseball behind. Just and, for Ducat to see. Yeah, just for Ducat to see, because he goes, Ducat actually notices the baseball and says, perhaps we didn't make a, perhaps we did one more valuable than we thought. And then uh, Wei Yun says, why, what's that about? Because Ducat picks up the baseball. And Ducat goes, it's to remind me that he's coming back. And then later, when they're retaking the station, if you watch that scene where they're Ducat and everybody's on the bridge of the DS9 watching the battle, yeah. he's continually moving that baseball around, like squeezing it harder and harder and throwing it into his hand, more and more aggravated, like because Benjamin Sisko is literally coming back, literally coming back right then. So that baseball represents Benjamin Sisko from the from the moment he gets it till the end of the show. Yeah. His heart, basically. Yeah, it's it's where his 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 meaning is, and yeah. that baseball is still being held on by Jake Sisko, even though he's clearly over a hundred at this point. Yeah, or at least I assume he is. It it I think it's it's not very clear. I think he was actually like is because they said the accident happened fifty years beforehand, right? Fifty years beforehand and in the flashback. 18, yeah, and he was eighteen then, yeah. so which means he would have been sixty eight. Sixty eight. In that flashback, but when he was dying was significantly later than that. Yeah. So we're talking if he if it was thirty years later, he's almost a hundred. It's still he's still pretty old. Yeah, according to the IMDb page, uh, this episode takes place in several different eras. The last of which being twenty four fifty, and the first one being the actual start date being twenty three seventy two. So if that's the case, he was over a hundred years old. Because he was 18 in 2372. Yeah. Which would have meant he was, well, I guess 97, 98, but yeah. almost 100. Yeah. Anyway, he's an old, old man. And um, I also got to say the music that started this is amazing. I didn't notice that the first time, but mm. the music that opens this is so damn emotional. Yeah. With just the visuals of the, the panning over. It's like the opening to Back to the Future. Uh, where they're just panning over his house and showing the things to give you an idea of who this character is. Yeah. Old Jake Sisko, it's where you see the baseball. And the music is just so emotional. It's got the hints of the opening theme of DS9 and like the way the, the horns hit. But it's all sad and lamenting. Yeah. Which is perfect. 
Um, it's then that we find out that Jake Sisko, through the conversation with Melanie Rhode Ancelon, which I already mentioned, which will be called back later. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually an episode where Jake gets attacked by an old, um, a cougar alien lady who goes after young yeah, that artists. Was a, that was one of the other bad ones. Yeah, it, she basically sucks the creative energy out of people, and she which allows them to create faster. Yeah, it allows and, them to create their best work, and then she basically... She's a she's a, them for dead. She's a she's a cougar succubus. She's a siren succubus. Yeah, a cougar specifically. It's an older woman, younger yeah. man thing, and uh, she's. I think it's is that the same woman who was in They Live, who played her. I don't remember. I I think it was because anyway, but anyway, it's not a particularly good episode. But the the great work that he creates while she's doing her siren thing to him, her muse thing is Ansalon. Where he's not finished with it yet, but he's gotten most of the book written. Yeah. Uh, which was a nice callback later. I just wanted to bring that up because one of the sad things about the ending of this is that this timeline never really happened. And I really was hoping Jake would actually write that book. So I'm glad they brought that back later at least. Yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of... DS9 does this a lot where there's a little bit of foreshadowing for things to come. Yeah, a little bit. Even in episodes that technically don't happen... Yeah. Um, like, they talk about the rising tensions between the Federation and the Klingons in this, as well as the tensions between the Klingons and the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also mentioned, well, they already had the Way of the Warrior, which is with the war between the Klingons and the Cardassians, so yeah, that had already, already happened. Yeah, that had already happened, but it just, like, it, it, it kind of slightly expanded on it a little bit. I suppose. Yeah. Um, all right, so... I like that the ending of the credits, we know by the end of the opening credits, or the, the opening, before the, the title sequence, mm-hmm. we know that this is Jake and he's really old now. And then he says when I was 18, which we know from a few episodes earlier is how old Jake is now in the present, that's when my father died. We know that's Benjamin Sisko and then they do the opening credits. That was a nice tag because it means even if you're not really interested in seeing why Jake Sisko is suddenly old, you're like, oh wait, Benjamin Sisko died? What the hell? And like then they how? how how did that happen? This is the fir- this is early in the fourth season. <laughs> yeah. So they get back to um, uh, we, we okay. There's a framing device in the future of Melanie and old Jake, and then the presence the story in the past is where most of the action takes place. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So the present day story of the of when another two person play. <laughs> there's another two person. Well, both of them are. Yeah. There's the two person play of old Jake trying to teach uh, Melanie this story and help her with. Help her understand that one of the things that creates a good writer is drawing from trauma. Yeah. You know, you'd write what you know, and if you know pain, that's a good thing to write, because everybody knows pain to some extent. So, and the present day is between, well, the present day story, the lifelong story of younger Jake, is his relationship to his father, even yeah. though his father doesn't come in all that often. Yeah. So, um, it's basically two two-person plays. Yeah. One of them being the exact same character at different stages in his life. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Um, so, uh, in the past, Jake was trying to write his latest short story. He was obsessed with it, which is a good way to establish that Jake gets obsessed with things really easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he is cares about something, he sticks with it. And that is a, a good indicator for what's going to happen later in his life. Yeah. And as a result of him being obsessed with it, Jake is, uh, Benjamin tells Jake to come along and watch what's, uh, what, what was it called? Like a resurgence? Uh, space, uh, um, it was an inversion. Subspace inversion. Yeah. Subspace inversion of the wormhole, which only happens once every 50 years. Yeah. 
It's gobbledygook. We actually never get to see what it actually looks like, which is kind of sad. It's uh, it's it's space babble for well, we come to see this plot. It happens what? twice in the course of the story, and we never get to see what it looks like. It's no, weird. we're too busy focusing on like you know the characters. Does it shape. does it look <laughs> like the, the the wormhole is trying to hawk up a hairball? I mean, what exactly does it look does like? It turn a different color. That'd yeah, be pretty cool. That'd be cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, but we don't want anything pretty in this episode. This is an episode, a heavy episode about grief. Yes. So don't want too much in the way of prettiness. No. Uh, so the the idea is he's uh, Jake is messing around with his iPad and yeah. his stylus. It's basically an iPad. It is, and this is this came out in what nine? This, this show premiered in nineteen ninety, like three, and ran until nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Well before the iPad or the stylus. Uh, another thing, and then Benjamin, you know, talks him into it, say, put that down, come with me. You should poke your head up every now and again, Jake. Look around. Life. It's, you'll miss it if you're not paying attention. And again, nice setup for old Jake, or older Jake, that he, when he gets his head down, he doesn't realize. It actually, will comment on that. He doesn't pick up as often as he should. No, literally, we'll talk about that regarding his wife and not too long from now. But... Okay, so they go, they, the, the cause of the inversion sends out, I guess, waves that damage the warp core. So Benjamin go, runs down to engineering and Jake decides to follow him. And they go down there and the warp core is about to overload. They can't eject the warp core, they can't shut it down. All they can do is channel the excess energy into this weird funnel thing. Yeah. And I like the moment where Benjamin told Jake to stay behind, Jake decided to follow him. And then while Benjamin is checking on the engineers who are all unconscious, he looks up and sees Jake, and there's just a half a second of, I, I wish you hadn't followed me, followed by him immediately switching into captain mode. Okay, I've got someone else here, and Jake, we know from earlier in the show, was studying engineering with O'Brien, so he yeah. knows a little bit. He doesn't He's, want to be an engineer, but he knows enough to know yeah. recognize the tools and what they do. Yeah, and I just like that he goes from being a dad to captain in half a second. Jake, get me a whatever he asked for. Yeah. Converter, I think is ionic converter or something like that. Like I said, this is... The, Gobbledygook. It's just meant to get us to the point. Yeah, this is just to establish the plot. <laughs> to establish the rules behind the logic of what we're going to... Well, the representation of grief is going to work around. Yeah. But he tells Jake... I still like that callback because it relates to... Benjamin Sisko is a captain and even though he loves Jake and he really wishes Jake wasn't here because it's dangerous... He's a captain and his ship's about to blow up. I and need resources. And Here's he happens some... to have somebody there to help. Yeah, he happens to have someone there who has some engineering experience. Whether he's supposed to be there or not, I need this. Get it. And then Jake tries to find it, mm -hmm. which he does. And then they channel the excess energy. And then just as they channel the excess energy, he untaps the, the converter, hands it to Jake. And while they're both touching the converter, which is this metal thing. Uh, Benjamin gets hit by a blast. That one of, lightning effect. That one lightning effect. By a blast of lightning from the warp core, and he <laughs> seems to immediately dissolve into ionized gas. Yeah. Right in front of Jake's eyes. And I can't imagine what that would feel like. That would be horrifying on many, many separate levels. And then Jake in the future explains that uh, he's... Uh, he grieved for quite a while. Everybody, everybody in the past gave big speeches about how much they loved his dad. Dax really looked in. after. Him. Yeah, Dax looked after him really hard. Um, Kira reached out to him, and Kira, as is established in the show, is somebody that's a very prickly character. Mm -hmm. She doesn't reach out often, so Kira reaching out and trying to connect with this young man is just—it's uh, it, a good thing for it, it, it's. It shows how important Benjamin Sisko was to these people mm -hmm. and them trying to 
help take care of what's left of him, basically. It sounds weird to say it that way. Yeah, well, even I mean. even Cork, who's been established as a self-righteous jerk and, yeah. and a capitalist in this, he's running Nog basically ragged once the station returns to more or less normal. Yeah. And then Nog says, okay, you want to go out? We're ready for the hollow suite in two hours. And then Cork uh, comes over and says, I need you to get such a, five cases of something from the cargo bay. And Nog goes, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. It looks like I won't be free. And Cork notices that, then walks over and says, you know what, Nog? It's dying down a bit. I'll get it's someone else It's not so looking. bad, which it clearly wasn't dying down. But yeah. was, for once, Cork was being nice. He recognized that Nog was trying to look after his best friend, and his best friend needed some help. So he so says, whatever, take your time off, go play with Jake. Go have fun. Yeah, try to get Jake out of his slump. And it's consistent with the fact that Nog is about to leave. Yeah, DS9. which is another great storyline. I love Nog. I also love Jake and Nog in general, but I really yeah. love them in this story. What yeah. little Nog gets to have, because he, he, he's in both the present, he's in, he's strung throughout the story. Yeah, he's in three different timelines. But in, in I just love his relationship to Jake. That yeah. it, There's never a question for Nog. That this is his best friend. And he will do what he has to for him. Yeah. Like, that, I like that. They, they were, have been really good friends since season one, and I'm very glad of that fact. It was a very good arc that they continued from season one. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, God bless Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah. God yeah. rest him. I'm sorry he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, watching Star Trek DS9 is kind of sad because we've lost two of the regular actors. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Eisenberg and... Um, Renee Bergenois. Yes. So, uh, blessed to both of them and to anyone who misses them. They were both amazing actors. Yeah. Uh, so, while Jake is still in his mourning period, he's in bed one night and he suddenly sees his, his father. father just appears and says, Jake, and then disappears again. And Like almost, it was just like blinking you miss kind of thing but again relating it to grief it is one of those things where it would just pop the person you miss will just pop into your head like you'll be sad especially at night when you're sleeping (laughs) yeah you'll be sad throughout your day but you don't it's not it it takes those moments when you really remember them to really drag you down Mm -hmm. you can be grieving but not full of grief yeah and that's what Jake was doing. He was grieving, but he wasn't really full of grief until he saw his dad. And it just came back to him in a flash. And he begged that, the, you know, the whole station looked into it. They found nothing. Yeah. So then we, we jump he ahead. He said that uh, Dax humored him, basically. Yeah. And then um, uh, a few weeks later, I think it was. Actually, a couple months later. A couple of months later. Because that was a few weeks after he supposedly died. After Benjamin yeah. Sisko died. And then a few months later, a full year. He suddenly reappears again. Uh, and it's during a time when they're thinking about having Jake leave. Because yeah. it's an, a non-required evacuation. But they are pushing people to start leaving DS9. Because, because it's the, dangerous. The dangerous. The, the tension with the Klingons is mounting and mounting. Yeah. So there's an added pressure to for Jake to leave. He doesn't want to. Uh, because this place reminds him of his dad. And then while he's it's walking... his home for a long time. Yeah, well, specifically he says his dad... When him and his dad showed up, this place was a, a falling apart piece of bulkheads. Yeah, and now it's been put back together. He built it. Yeah. And again, this is around when they started realizing that Benjamin Sisko's main character trait was that he was a builder. He liked to plant things and watch them grow. Yeah. And seeing the fruits of his labor would be cathartic for someone like Jake. Yeah. Um, and then when he's walking down the hallway, suddenly he just... Benjamin Sisko just reappears. He lasts quite a few minutes longer this time. Yeah. Uh, he get they get him to. 
medical bay. Me- the medical bay, and they real they realize that he's been pulled into subspace, mm-hmm. which is for him no time has passed. For Benjamin Sisko, it's only been a few minutes. Yeah. But for them, it's been a year. Yeah. And credit to Dax O'Brien and Sit Bashir, they all try to hold him there. Yeah, they, they try to use. The, they try to techno babble their way around yeah. it, but it just nothing is going to hold him, and he slowly shifts back into subspace, and, that, and that's really horrible yeah. for Jake. Because it's, th- it's one thing to see it once, but to see it twice. Well, not only that, to know it was real this time, yeah. and what's more, to have the hope if, however briefly, he might have his dad back in his life, and then suddenly he's gone again, yeah. and they can't even explain why he was there. Mm-hmm. That would be heartbreaking on so many levels uh heart-wrenching terribly um especially since he didn't know it was going to happen until it did knowing that he's alive but he can't do anything exactly basically save him i've always said that if i could have one more day with my dad even if we were robbing banks i'd do it in a heartbeat but only if i knew in advance that it would be only one day I would never want to have him come back and then have him disappear without me knowing when that was going to happen. It would destroy me. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be able to bear that. <laughs> it would be hard towards the back end of that day knowing it was coming, but at least I could prepare for the fact that it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the, the, the Cardassians and the Bajorans unite in their, uh, because of the growing tension with the Klingons. And in order to appease the Klingons, they ha- the Federation, and I'm assuming Bajor, hand the station over to the Klingons, which means Jake has to leave. Which means the last real thing that was keeping him, his father and his life, in his mind, the station the is gone. Anchored. Yeah, is gone. Uh, and Jake in the future is uh, then... He finally begins to start moving on, though. Yeah, in the past. But in the future, yeah. the, the future, future Jake, the old yeah. Jake... Uh, Tony Todd Jake, he says, uh, he starts to react like he's in pain, and Melanie says, well, maybe we should stop. He goes, no, no, I, I, I have to tell you this now. I won't be another time. I'm dying. Yeah. And that was a cut to black moment. And then as soon as it comes back, he says, and that was a commercial break. As yeah. soon as he comes back, he says, now understand when an old man tells you he's dying, he's just admitting to the inevitable. What I liked about that is that it felt, when you first watched it, if you didn't know the ending, or you hadn't figured out what was going to happen yeah. to Jake, what he had done at the start of the story, yeah. that felt like a fake-out, hold-you break. Yeah. Like, oh no, the character's going to die. Oh, we saw that the second it came back. It was turned out it wasn't really danger. No, in reality, he is dying. Yeah. He absolutely he is dying. He doesn't want this girl to, to... He doesn't want this girl to run away and tell the authorities. Like, hey, this guy's in trouble, needs to be saved. Yeah, he... Okay, spoilers for the ending. He... In, the thing he injected himself with at the start was a poison, I'm assuming, that was timed to go off at a certain point in the story, yeah. which we'll get to. But he... I'm assuming it's still early enough now that if he were to get medical help, given how insanely advanced medic, the medicine is in Starfleet, they probably could save him. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be saved. No. Uh, and he's hoping, I think, by the time he finishes telling Melanie the story, she'll understand and just let it be. Yeah. Uh, but right now, she doesn't understand enough to uh, to get why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So she would probably try to save his life, especially since she, he's her favorite writer. And as a result, it would completely undo his plan. So he had needed a holder there to talk to him, but at the same time not get her to call for aid. Yeah. But uh, the thing I like about it from a viewer's perspective is that it felt like a fake-out cliffhanger 
When in reality, because when they come back, oh, I was just trying to scare you, young and I wasn't really dying. When in reality, he actually is dying. That was not a fake out. He's lying to her and the audience in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Which I liked. Um, by the way, Tony Todd was the perfect choice to play old Jake. They, yeah. they realized that Mr. Lofton didn't look very good in his old age makeup. That's why they couldn't do it. Which yeah. I don't think he would have looked all that good, honestly. No, but, he still, he was a very young looking face at the time. Tony Todd, though, looks amazing and sells every level of this. I'm going to say for the record that according to all reports, including Tony Todd himself, his aunt had passed away right before they shot this. And he used a lot of that internalized grief at losing someone he loved on the screen, and you can tell. He's he's already such a phenomenal actor. We've seen him in Star Trek a couple times before, and Mm -hmm. this is... This is easily one of his best performances. Oh, by far. Yeah. Uh, well, not even by far. Like I've, I, I, most people remember him as Kern, yeah. uh, Worf's brother. Yeah. From TNG and DS Nine. Which isn't bad. Isn't bad, but I would say this is a better performance given yeah. how little time he has with it. Yes. Because <coughs> we don't get to see the we don't get to see this character again. No, not old Jake. No. Not this version of Jake. At not least not anything outside of the books. I'm assuming. No. Uh, okay, so when we get back to um, the the past storyline, after his he was forced to move away from DS9, Jake decided to move on with his life. He got to writing. He wrote Anselm. He wrote his collected stories. He was yeah. very happy. He got married. He got married, and uh, he, we get to see Nog now became a commander. Yeah. And he's uh, apparently he's, be- fast tra- he's on his he's on the fast track to becoming a captain. Oh yeah, definitely, and uh, which we get to see in the. Star Trek Online game. He he made it. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> so in uh, Star Trek, in in this, you know, it turns out that uh, they finally, the Klingons finally invited a sh- the the ship Federation back to DS Nine. Let them go through the wormhole. Scientific research, but yeah. really they were testing the waters to see if the if Dominion was still on the other side. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the which I gotta say. I, that always bothered me that there was no Dominion War in this particular version of the future. Because that ma- doesn't make sense to me. Well, it, it doesn't make sense in one fashion, which is that there were colonies and ships already on the other side of the wormhole. I know the Dominion destroyed a lot, but there were still people there that were from our part of the universe. I think I think it's because maybe because you know how they were trying to at first do it through a subtle means of basically. Allowing the Alpha Quadrant to destroy itself and then they come in. Maybe. I think that's what's going on here. Maybe, but that does mean that the only reason that the Dominion War happened and then ultimately was won is because of Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. I mean, I, I related to that one line where uh, Benjamin Sisko says, uh, he goes, if they go, if we go to war, or will we win it? And he goes, I don't know, but I do know we're losing the peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so war might be the only chance we have for victory. Yeah. Which, dark, but I can understand it the longer yeah. we get into 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, while we're wandering about, you know, Jake is working on his latest novel. Mm-hmm. and old, Older Jake. We're now at Tony Todd Jake, but it's young Tony Todd. Yeah. Uh, and he is writing, and then his wife comes and says, come to bed. And he goes, I'm not tired. She goes, neither am I. And they, yeah, they look really cute together. Yeah, they really it do was seem a cute sweet. couple. They were cute. Even though they're on screen for like a total of like, what, two to, two to four minutes? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But they have a really cute relationship. Yeah, it's really um, sweet. She clearly loves him, and he clearly loves her. Yeah. 
And then as they're walking back to the bedroom, they suddenly Benjamin Sisko reappears and um, they quickly give, she quickly shows Benjamin um, her husband's collected war stories and Anselm yeah. and they contact Starfleet and say, send someone here to help quickly. And then Jake starts to break down crying yeah. and uh, Benjamin holds uh, him to his head and just kind of like She's comforts like, I'll him. Be right back. Yeah, show up, I'll be right back. And he kind of signals where it's okay to go. And I like that in this scenario, Benjamin Sisko is the one that is technically in danger, but yeah. it's Jake that's the one that's breaking down and everyone understands why. Yeah. One thing I loved about this episode is that in spite of the fact that Tony Todd is a big, muscular guy, the fact that he breaks into tears in this is never treated as anything other than completely understandable. Seriously. He breaks down crying he, a lot, Benjamin and it's Sisko, always understandable. Yeah, Benjamin <laughs> Sisko doesn't say, don't cry. Yeah. You're my young man. You he doesn't even cry. tell him you have to stop crying, like or buck up, like it'll no, be he fine. Tells he goes, him to "Move on." It's okay. Him... He doesn't tell him it's not it's not okay to cry. No, it's the kind of situation where you would cry. It just Seriously. would. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how big and manly you are. You would cry if you had a soul in this situation. Yes. Uh, so Benjamin Sisko hears about how he's you know his son's got a wife and he's been writing and they've got a house and he was married in their. Uh, Benjamin's father's restaurant. restaurant and you know he's so proud of him and then he just fades away into nothing again and it just completely breaks Jake in half yeah. like he can because it's not just now it's not just that he felt th this is still a grief because this is the stage of grief where you're questioning what you could have done differently which we've all been through yeah. And he's blaming himself for having given up on looking for he's his like, father. Why am I doing this? Why am I having this life when I could, when I... You're out there and you need my help, when but... You, when you need my help, I should have been out there doing something scientific and to trying help to you. find a way to get you back. Yeah, even though it's Instead not Instead, I'm here writing novels? Yeah, and it's not what Benjamin wants. It's not even close to what he wants. But Jake is blaming himself, and we've been there. I know Megan and I have both been there, where there are times where, like, why didn't I say this or do this or Ben? I wish I could go back and do this. Mm -hmm. The difference with Jake is that he can make a difference, but it's not really his job. This is the kind of thing Starfleet should be fucking around with. Yeah. But it's one makes me wonder why they haven't been. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh well. And then Jake goes back to school. And here's another example of Jake putting his head down and focusing and not poking his head up because while he was going through temporal or, or wormhole Temple mechanics, mechanics, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. um, while he was getting his doctorate in that, his wife moved out and then they got divorced mm -hmm. and she moved on. Yeah. And he feels really bad about that, but he didn't give up. And he kept focusing on getting his dad out. And he used his connections with Nog to get the Defiant out of Mothballs. Side question, why was the Defiant in Mothballs? They still have they still have Galaxy Class ships in service in Starfleet. <laughs> well apparently I'm guessing well, they did mention that the controls were primitive at that point. Yeah, so I suppose, but they were trying to basically they were saying that it was decommissioned because they've clearly got more advanced ships at that point. I don't care. They could have upgraded it. Oh my god. <laughs> It's just one of those things you that... You have to remember that the Defiant that we see is also a prototype ship. Yeah, I don't care. They've made better <laughs> versions of it by now. I don't care. <laughs> this still makes no sense to me. It Star makes sense to me. Starfleet is, is notorious for using... I mean, reality, the reason is because they can only build so many models. 
so they had to keep reusing them. But Starfleet, as part of its model, as a care, as a concept, constantly just upgrades its older ships because they built them strong at the start and then just upgrade their their, their yeah, ship. Yeah, but they cores. already said that there was flaws in the Defiant. Yeah, but in the Defiant, like that was design. a year earlier. Like they would have fixed it by now. Yeah, but the design <laughs> flaws were in it were were built in. <laughs> yeah, but we also see like two years after this, they have an entire fleet of Defiant ships. Yes, but which I'm would sure still have been built in this timeline. You're the... fighting about things that aren't really important. I know it just and I disagree with you. So that it just matter. bothers me that they they made it a point of saying the Defiant was in Mothballs. Defiant wouldn't be in Mothballs; it would still be in service. I don't <laughs> think it would be, but whatever. I know it would be. I don't <laughs> think it would be. It would be. No, it absolutely would. No. Yes. No. Yeah, you know the the ship that Khan uses to destroy the Enterprise A or the original Enterprise in um, Wrath of Khan? Mm-hmm. That's the same type of ship the Stargazer is. Okay. Which was in service eighty years later. <laughs> so I still don't <laughs> think so. I disagree. <laughs> well, you're just wrong. So you're so, wrong. Uh, anyway. Uh, they, they use the Defiant, they get back all the old crew. Uh, they don't get back O'Brien, although he's supposed to be on the ship because the direct actor Cole Meany had film obligations at the time. Yeah, he was still a film star. I mean, he's mentioned as being on the ship, but we don't actually see him. Yeah. But it gave, uh, Jedzia, old Jedzia and old Bashir a chance to shine a bit. Because yeah. apparently they're still really close friends and still talk all the time. Yeah. Uh... Apparently, Bashir does, does most of the talking, yeah, <laughs> as usual. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm wondering who his wife for the kid was. Because he mentions he has a kid, who now no longer mentioned. exists since this universe has been, timeline's been deleted. <laughs> they never mention, they don't, they don't mention at all. They don't mention who his wife is. Because it can't be, um, I mean, okay, I guess it could be Esri, not Dax. Yeah. Like, he could have met Esri without the Dax symbiote. It could have been that Serena girl. It could have been... I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that there's... There's possibilities. There's possibilities. I'm just curious. He could have adopted a kid for all we know. That might have been nice. That might have been a nice move. Uh, So anyway, uh, Megan also liked the uniforms. She mentioned this in All Good Things. It's the same badge and uniforms. She likes the uniforms. Questionable about the badges. Uh, Because they're a little uniform. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds weird when I say it that way. Well, they took the bar, the sideways bars that the, the, the triangle symbol is over. They took yeah. it and they turned it vertically and made it fatter. Yeah, it doesn't look... It doesn't look as good. I'll agree with that. It, it's not as great. But I do like the uniforms. It's kind of the mix between original series and next generation. I kind of wish they'd gone... Well, here, let me ask you this. Do you think that that would have looked better than the Voyager uniforms? What Voyager uniforms? like the, Where they have the black at top and then the gold down? Oh no! They they reversed it from Voyager to Next Generation to Voyager, where you have where the gold bar like okay, gold uniform, in Next Generation it's black on shoulders, gold all the way down. In Voyager it's gold on the shoulders, black all the way down. Nah. So you don't think this would look better than that? But in any event, uh, they then discuss right before the mission, uh, when like literally when they're next to the wormhole, what the mission is. Uh, which seems an odd time to discuss it, but okay. We're going to assume uh, they discussed it earlier and they're just recapping it for us, yeah. the audience. Uh, so then what happened, okay, what they're actually doing after Jake did all this work was discover that uh, Cisco is being, Benjamin is being pulled through 
time yeah. uh, popping out randomly. And uh, as a result, and, and it's connected to Jake through the, the electrical discharge, I'm guessing. That's why yeah. he always appears next to Jake. And their plan is to use, now that it's been 50 years and the, the wormhole is doing its inversion again, yeah. their plan is to pull Benjamin out using the connection he has with Jake. Yeah. Unfortunately, during the experiment, it does the, it does the opposite. It pulls Jake into what I'm guessing is supposed to be like a subspace they realm. They said it's subspace it looks like the prophets area, where where the. Uh, it also looks like the Q area. Yeah, well, I was thinking of like with the prophets when Cisco first appears in the emissary room. Yeah. Where it's all light around him. Yeah, it's just white. Yeah, I'm assuming it also looks like the area where the the time aliens that were trying to create the expan turn the expanse into their, their realm, yeah. where they talk to each other. So, yeah, it's it's a Star Trek shortcut for oh, this is an area that where time doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So uh, Benjamin and Jake are having conversation, and in the course of it, you know, Benjamin keeps trying to tell Jake to move on, like quit wasting your time trying to save oh, me. Have grandkids. Get married. Live your life. Live your life. Well, right. he he says he finds out that he lost his wife, yeah. so it's not like get married. It's like find the woman you love, you know, be with her, and all that yeah. stuff. It, at least, basically, he just wants him to at least just continue writing. He wants him to live his life, basically. Yeah. And again, I, it's one of those things that anybody who's ever been through grief understands that you know the person that you love would be telling you that if they could. Like, stop focusing on feeling bad about me and live your life. But, but that's not how it works. That's not how it will ever work. You can't help that. Yeah. Um, so Benjamin uh, is begging Jake, and then Jake gets pulled back out uh, of the, the subspace vacuum or whatever it was. And as a result, he and then we cut back to Tony Todd, and he's crying again, which he should. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Dax Jedzia comes over and gives him a hug and holds him for a bit while he just starts crying. Bear in mind, he's oh, like sixty-eight at this point, so yeah. I don't care. He should be crying. It's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so then we uh, then we cut to that was the last time that he ever saw him. Before the story starts. Yeah. And uh, he's finally been talking to Melanie. And through this whole thing, he's been acting in the pre the future Jake, old Jake, has been acting a little pained here and there. And yeah. acting like constantly talking about he doesn't have much time. Yeah. And finally he pulls Melanie over and he says, here's my, I tried to keep my promise to my father as best I could. Fulfill my father's wishes. I wrote uh, two new books. They're over here. I haven't got them published yet. And he was going to work on two more stories, but he doesn't have time. Yeah. And then Melanie says, you keep saying you don't have time. What are you talking about? And he says, I realized after I spent years trying to figure out what had happened, why we couldn't get him out. And I came to realize that what's happening is every time well, he's connected to me like an elastic cord. Every time the cord grows taut, he gets pulled to the present, yeah. which is right near me. If I could cut the cord when, we, when it was at its tightest, when we're together then it will slingshot him back to just before the accident. Mm -hmm. um, but only if I were to cut it then. And that's when Melanie says, you're going to cut, your father's coming here, isn't he? Soon. Yes. And you're going to cut the cord, aren't you? Yes. And then she says, thank you. And she takes his notes, mm -hmm. his original script notes, and he, or his original script book notes. Yeah. The ones with his handwritten notes on them. Yeah. She leaves, and then Jake sits down, old Jake, and he falls asleep. And when he wakes back up, it's his dad that's standing next to him. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, 
It's good to see you back in this house. You seemed happy here. He goes, I knew you were coming. This is the part where I broke down. Again. Yeah, I, I, I was crying a little bit through most of this, but this is really hard to get through because it has the air of starts... someone you love coming to say, coming to guide you to heaven kind of a feel to yeah. it. <laughs> like the moment I saw Benjamin Sisko's face smiling, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like when you pass on, you hope to see your family again kind yeah. of a situation. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Benjamin, uh, the part that really got me was the dedication because he looks at the books, yeah. Benjamin does, and he said, and Jake says, read the dedication to my father. Who's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're breaking down right now thinking it's, about it. It's, it's tough. It's Ugh. a goodly written little thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a great dedication. Then Jake motions over to um, the table, and that's when Benjamin sees the poison. Yeah. And he gets really mad at Jake, which I kind of like, where he yeah. goes, you have so many years left. Don't do this. How could you? You should You shouldn't do it. And he explains that I have to be with you when you die. Otherwise, when I die, we have to be together. Otherwise, it won't work. You can go back and stop it. And he goes, you shouldn't have done this. Not for me. And then he goes, for you and for the boy I once was. He needs you more than you know. Yeah. And then he dies. And then we immediately cut back to the opening where he's on the Defiant. Yeah. And as soon as Benjamin realizes what's about to happen, he dives out of the way, misses it. And then Jake says, how did you know that was going to happen? And he he's goes, like, I got lucky, lucky this time. time. <laughs> and then he goes, are you okay, Dad? He goes, yes, son, I'm, I'm okay. He's clearly on the verge of tears because he just watched his son die, but then there he is in front of them. He saw his son's whole life in a matter of minutes from his perspective uh -huh. and then die. That's pretty sad. And then all of a sudden his son is there. Uh -huh. And it's like, you know, it's kind of a reverse of what's been happening with Jake Sisko throughout the entire yeah, story. Yeah, it's the exact reverse of it where yeah. um, Benjamin... Uh, 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 God, this episode is good. It is. Yeah. I apologize for coming off as sniffly, but... I don't apologize for sniffling. Mm -hmm. It's emotional. It should be. It's just, I I know you probably were hoping for us to be able to at least keep our demeanor. Uh, hold, hold it together like adults. Yeah. We, it's a man. good story, goddammit. I'm not going to apologize for crying from it. No. Uh, the other thing is that, uh, another. It, this is also a perfect example, in my opinion, of how there is no such thing as an idea that can't work. Yeah. Because I would have claimed before I saw this that any story that doesn't affect the grander story of the universe is bullshit. Yeah. It was all a dream stories suck. Yeah. And basically this is, because the only person who remembers this timeline at all is Benjamin. And, and it was only for a few minutes. Yeah, minutes. from him, and he only picked up a few little bits and pieces of information. That's yeah. it. Um, so it's, but it's still emotional, it's still great. It yeah. still works on so many levels. And even though almost everything that was set up, or a lot of the stuff that was set up in the alternate future didn't actually happen. Yeah. Jadzia died. She didn't get old. She didn't get to live old. Um, the only things that really happen is the tension with the Klingons, and um, which never devolves into a, a war. And Nog. Nog becoming captain. Going on and becoming Assuming captain. you count Star Trek Online as canon. At least Nog getting into Starfleet and starting to quickly 
yeah. go through the ranks. And apparently the woman who was married to Jake in this timeline, in a lot of the books, they have them married. So yeah. that's good. I also wanted to point out she was Bajoran. Yes. Which was nice. She was Bajoran. He always, in, in the show, you find he dated, he dated a lot of Bajorans. Well, he was right next to Bajor. This is back on Earth. I, I assume this is because he just grew to like the Bajoran culture. Yeah, that, it, like, <laughs> either he met her while he's on Bajor, or he met her on Earth, and she just happened to be there. Yeah, know? well, anyway. Either way. <laughs> anyway, it, it's, ordinarily, I would be really angry at stories that don't really have any grander meaning. Hell, Melanie is completely pointless in this story because not only is she now in a time, we, we are back at a point when she's never been born yeah. or hasn't been born yet, but her need to become a writer is now completely moot because it might not be, I, I doubt this version of Jake is only going to write two stories. Yeah. You know, so... I it, mean, it's possible that she might still want to be a writer and he happened to write more stories at this point. I but, doubt she's going to track him down to ask him. Yeah, it's not, she's not going to track him down to ask him why he only wrote 30 stories or some shit like that. And she's that. not going to get his notes uh, for on how to write a book. And he's not going to get this epic, sad story about yeah. his father and grief. <laughs> so it, it, it's one of those stories where it has elements I should hate. But it's so good that yeah. I don't hate it at all. So there is no such thing as a bad idea in concept. It's all about even a dumb idea can be executed well. I don't think you should go out of your way to choose dumb ideas. No. But you could you know, hedge your bets and pick better ones. But even an idea that would normally be bad can be done well if you put the work into it. This also proves that sometimes you can have episodes that are just self-contained yeah. every once in a while in a television show and still have it be good. The only thing this episode really tells us about Benjamin is to now, now he knows just how far his son will go for him. Yeah. And that's a good thing for a father to know, but I think he probably could have guessed that before this. Yes. Uh, it's an amazingly good episode. I love it. It's probably one of my f the best Star Trek episodes ever. Yeah. I, I I cannot describe how good this episode is. And it is so hard to watch if you've lost somebody in yeah. a good way. It will make you cry, but it will make you feel better afterwards. It, 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 it's a good understanding of grief. And it's a venting. It's it, a good yeah. venting of emotion. I'm actually like scared to show this to mom yeah. <laughs> someday because I want her to watch DS9 so badly, but oh my god, what is she going to do when she sees this episode? Yeah, it's, she's so. going to cry. Oh, yeah. Most people will. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, that's all we really have to say about this one unless there's anything you want to bring up that I didn't about the episode that you liked. I mean, this was your choice. No, uh, it's just like, I mostly picked it because it's a very personal episode to me. Yeah. We watched it at a really at a time when I was really grieving just like this yeah i just for the record i completely forgot about the tng grieving episode so when that episode came i remembered it as we were watching it what the point of it was and i was like oh shit so i ran over and i i kind of sat next to megan when we were watching it together because again i got her through yeah. these what we got but when i i remember that when i remembered visitor and i was like oh shit uh, so I warned Megan ahead of time, as lightly as I could, okay, this next episode is going to be kind of rough. Yeah. Bear with me through it. So we actually sat and watched together, and we were both tearing up by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I but, probably started crying much sooner than I did today. Yeah, but it was still a good cathartic kind of pain. It makes you feel better when it's over. It lets you feel like you vented it something. You that, yeah, um, it's like grief the end is going to come back every once in a while, but it's okay to move on. It's okay to move on, but it's also important to remember that it's important to remember for people who are always who have lost someone, there will come days just like it did for Jake, where randomly that person it could be years later, mm -hmm. 
will randomly enter their minds or in their lives and suddenly they're just stuck there for a little bit. Yeah. And you can't you can't you force can't them through live it. In that moment. No, you can't, but you also can't force them through it. You can't push them past it. No. You have to help them past it. Yeah. Which is what Jadzia does through most of the story. She's yeah. always trying to help Jake. Um, which I liked. That's mm-hmm. that's what you should do. You have to, to to aid that person because being stuck in grief is not easy. No. But you can't just not feel grief. No. In spite of what Gene Roddenberry thought. Grief is not going to go away in the human mind. Nor no. should it ever. And nor I, should I, it. No, I feel uh, grief yeah. is viewed as such a negative thing, but I feel like it's important for for human growth is to move, to understand loss and to, to feel... Sadness empathy. is important. That's one of the it's, reasons I love empathy. Inside Out. Empathy. Empathy is important. It's one of the reasons I love Inside Out. Yes. Because it, it finally made sadness... A legitimately understood emotion that you need like, to feel oh, you sad. You shouldn't be sad. You can't be sad all the time. Sadness is just a sad, such a negative emotion, and it's like, yes, I understand what you're saying, but you gotta feel it every once in a while. You can't yeah, be I, happy all the time. You can't be angry all the time. You gotta have something. There. Inside Out is a great movie because Joy is actually the bad guy. Yeah. Because all she wants is for her human to feel happiness because she loves her so much. And but it's, the problem is it's that stunting her. Yeah. The problem is that if you only feel joy, if you only feel happiness, you can never vent the pain of life. Yeah. It just builds up and builds up and builds up, and that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Uh. So yeah, I uh, I, I this episode is great. Uh, watch it, Baron, with tissues. <laughs> and yeah. uh, bear in mind that you probably will, if you've ever lost anyone, this this episode will speak to you. Yes. Uh, but I'm assuming if you're listening to us talk about it, you probably already saw it. So in which case, um, I apologize for the tears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, on that note, that is the end of Star Trek: The Megan's Top Twenty this week. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing next week. We still, I'm still having Megan surprise me, even though I guessed the second we watched the episode. He does it every time. I don't know why he's saying this time. Like, like he never has done it. Like, but. he knows 90% of the time what episode it is. But uh, episode of but episode the next week's episode will be officially episode ten. So we will be halfway through Megan's top twenty as of next week. Also remember these are not in any particular order. I didn't put this here because oh the next episode that I pick next week is better or worse. worse. It's just these are the top twenty as as she's. I just felt like since this month is a very sad month for me and I need to get this out of the way honestly. Mm So. I understand. And God knows we could all use a good cry. Like the yeah. whole nation. We've been through so much this past year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so on that note, uh, this is Eric. This is Megan. And you guys have a good night, good weekend. Uh, Thanksgiving will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Stay safe. COVID is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Please remember that. And uh, uh. on behalf of all future individuals uh let's start getting back on star trek path because i'm really getting tired of heading towards robocop or mad max okay (laughs) (laughs) seriously bye bye